this episode of The Full Nerd, GeForce RTX 4080 review and Gamers Nexus 12-volt high-power... Re- uh, God, I screwed that up. Investigation. There we go. <laughs> he reviewed Damn the it. cable. Ready? In this episode of The Full Nerd, GeForce RTX 4080 review and Gamers Nexus 12-volt high-power investigation. Welcome to episode 238 of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with co-host Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. And, of course, also in one of these boxes is Adam Taylor, which you know from Epos Fox. Hey, hey. And Adam, the other Adam, Adam Patrick Murray, is controlling the horizontal <laughs> and vertical Man, in the other box. Demoted. hundreds of uh, episodes, I'm, I'm just the other Adam. Hey, that's okay. Wow. I, I love Adam, uh, Evan, the, the stream professor here himself. Thank you so much, uh for stopping by adam it's uh it's good to have you here that's thanks what, for having me the second time you've been on I mm-hmm. think what it is. Yep. nice nice uh and it, yeah we'll, we'll get into the your 4080 testing as well as brad's uh soon but i do want to say I, I know i'm sorry this is the the third week in a row i'm bringing it up but if you go to our merch uh right now you the uh outrage pony merch is up uh, we have a, t- a T-shirt, we have a hoodie, and we have a, a Raglan shirt uh, from special request from a, a friend of the show in the Discord. So get your Outrage Pony on, uh, and everything in the store is uh, 25% off if you use the code 1080TI. So get... And, and yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's also some uh, pretty awesome uh, ugly T-shirts, Christmas holiday t-shirts and sweaters that feel like getting festive for the season too yep yep the the ho- holiday uh, shirts and sweaters from last year uh the the limited edition stuff like this polo it's it's got a em- embroidered full nerd uh so yeah all the cool stuff be sure to l- look at the whole store but yeah 25 percent off everything everything must go uh and yeah get, get your outrage pony on uh, thank you for everyone who's already bought them i i did buy some samples uh but they're not here yet i can't i can't wait uh, I I asked I asked my wife Lindsay if uh, if she was willing to wear an outrage pony to uh, to her work because uh, she she works with kids and I'm like kids love ponies you know and <laughs> she's like yeah man probably not appropriate so but is the is the is the concept Adam is to like well you know we need to get the young generation to immediately start jumping to conclusion and start screaming oh yeah at a younger just, just age start them young so yeah. let's oh, yeah. like. I can't believe Barney did that. That's just a guy. Uh, Barney, Barney's not cool anymore. I, I really? Know that. I don't I even know what it is. Yeah, yeah, but fun stuff. Uh, I, I will say also, uh, you know, everyone, I think everyone on this uh, the show will be excited to hear. I did send Brad a, uh, a new microphone. He, he hasn't had time to set it up, but he's going to set it up. This is uh, going to be a, a sea change for, for Brad's audio. He's 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 upgrading to be a radio man now so jokes on y'all once you get a more clear mic i'm gonna sound even worse <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. maybe maybe the thing is it's actually brad's voice you know it's like <laughs> actually it's not the microphone he's got like an amazing microphone but it's actually just the voice like it's it's got that filtered cutoff built into the voice box and his that would be hilarious yeah but all, all if you sneeze doesn't make dial-up tones <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well um yeah, you know what? Mm, crap, I can't think of a, a transition. Let's just let's just talk <laughs> about forty eighties. Yeah, or thirty eighties. No, oh crap! I I wrote forty eighty in the. 
Oh man, I just wrote it is a 4080. RTX 3080. I know. I, I, I I'm oh, here to talk about a 1080 Ti. Oh my god. Yeah, we can <laughs> talk about get 25 percent off of those. <laughs> I, I just realized in my my lowers, the the show notes or in the yeah. The, Talk about the 4080. I mean, Sorry, I got. Realistically, fix a lot of the coverage of the 4080 has just talked about how great of a value the 3080 seems now. So it is just kind of like 3080 <laughs> reviews. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious! Wow. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, so, Brad, <laughs> you have a review coming out, but it's not quite out yet. Give give us a, a, a quick TLDR while I scramble. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I've done all the testing. I have all the data. I haven't been able to write the review yet because I had a burst pipe in my house, uh, and so I've been occupied. But yeah, basic TLDR is the RTX 4080 is $1,200. It's a phenomenal graphics card that smashes at 4K resolution, but it is overpriced by $500, so nobody should buy it. <laughs> there you go, short and sweet and simple. Uh, to dig into that a little bit more, uh, it has a huge 4090-esque three-slot cooler. Uh, with the Founders Edition card, which keeps it incredibly cool, incredibly quiet. Like it's a it's a joy to use. Uh, it outperforms the 3090 and the 3080 Ti by a decent clip, 10-ish percent in my testing. Uh, and it's faster than 3080 by 30% in my tests. Uh, I will note that some other sites had higher percentages. Like I think Hardware and Box is the highest I saw. In their tests, the 3080 was about uh, the 4080 was about 50% faster than the 3080. Uh, my numbers are different because Hitman 3 is not much faster than the 3080 in than the four the 4080 is not much faster than the 3080 in Hitman 3. And also there is a bug going on in Counter-Strike Global Offensive right now, uh, where all the Ampere cards are actually faster than the 4080. So that drags down you know, the overall average for, for the game. Uh, but that being said, that's the real life thing right now. You will get significantly faster frames on the 3080 than you will a 4080. But in general, you're getting 30 to 50% more uplift compared to the 3080, but it costs 71% more. And that's ludicrous. And I don't recommend anybody buys it. Brad, can I ask you a question? Because mm -hmm. honestly, I haven't really gotten into all of the reviews, but can we break it down sort of like conventional rasterized performance? And then I guess the other thing to consider is sort of advanced features. Cause if you're into the ray tracing and all the DLSS stuff, yep. do we see a bigger difference as we get into the advanced kind of, um, you know, forward looking games versus the conventional games? Is there a bigger difference between the cards? Yeah, it definitely runs a lot better in direct X 12, you know, Vulcan games, just like every modern architecture does these days. Uh, with ray tracing and DLSS, it's the exact same story as with the 4090. Like, it's just a lot better with Lovelace than it was with Ampere. So those are all, you know, huge gains. Uh, one testing oddity, DLSS 3 is a huge selling point for these, obviously. It's already in 10 games, which is kind of encouraging. Uh, yeah. But I was trying to test it in F1 22, which came out recently, and it turned into a big stuttery mess after like five minutes of playing so there's some sort of bug going on there as well that but game's in general, implementation of it seems to be buggy in general because that's the big one where everyone has all the like artifacts and stuff from it anyway yeah, yeah it's because it's faster i think uh yeah. it definitely 
DLSS 3 doesn't handle as well with faster games. But yeah, that is just a stuttery mess in that game. But it's now out in uh, Flight Simulator. Uh, it hasn't come out in Cyberpunk yet, which I'm surprised about. Uh, it's coming out in a bunch of different games. But yeah, you know, NVIDIA leads in software. It has NVIDIA Broadcast. It has DLSS. It has all that. It's all good stuff. This would be a phenomenal card if it came out at the same $699 price point that the 3080 did. But adding $500 to that just ain't it. For gaming, at least, content creation is very different. And Adam can speak more to that. Yeah. So, I mean, I a weird line to have to walk with the pricing is I 100% agree. But at the same time, like the angle I come from is assuming we don't have influence over the price, which is perhaps a dumb assumption to make. But under that assumption, like when you look at production houses or people wanting to just buy a rig to do their work day to day, they're not really navigating the what, you know, in what context was the card a better value. And so my my pricing, most of the way I look at it is, do you buy a 3090 for a thousand bucks, eleven hundred bucks? Do you buy a 4080 for twelve hundred bucks? Um, and in that case, the 4080 is a really good value creative wise, because especially in the 3D work, I was seeing up to 82 percent faster than the 3080, which is just mind blowing. Um, obviously, we saw that with the 4090, the 490, 4090 was literally twice as fast as the 3090 in a lot of these 3D rendering VFX kind of tests. Um, and so in those cases, it would make no sense to buy a 3080 or a 3090 rather for basically the same price when you can get so much more performance for a couple hundred extra bucks. But it makes me really confused where the product stack is going to be because it's now a twice as slow rollout as it was supposed to be. So we have no idea where this mysterious 12 gigabyte 4070 TI, whatever is going to land at. We don't know where the real 4070 or 4060 is going to land at. And that gets really awkward. But in overall content creation, uh, I, I saw really good results where in some tests for like Premiere, which is not super GPU optimized or photo editing or AI stuff, like it basically performs the same as the 4090 for all intents and purposes. And then you have scenarios where DaVinci Resolved, which is a video editor that's a lot more graphics card optimized. It's, you know, it's perfectly slotted between the 3090 and the 4090 and, you know, kind of expected performance, but still really good considering things. But there is still, I ran into limitations of the VRAM. You're paying 1200 bucks. You're still only getting the same amount of VRAM that Intel puts on their 200 $300 graphics cards, which is weird to me. I know there's more caveats to that, but for as we get up to like, if you do video editing with a lot of plugins or you start going past 4k resolution, VRAM matters a lot. And I would like to see we're on three generations of the same VRAM structure on Nvidia cards. Now I would like to see us to start scaling it a little more. I realize you can't scale it infinitely, but like when they have the, the new, the new, RTX 6000, which is not the same as the RTX A6000 or the Quadro RTX 6000. Their naming makes no sense. But the new one has 48 gigs of VRAM. And I'm like, all right, I, I want some of that. Um, but performance is insane. And I specifically wanted to share that I have been testing last night. I was supposed to be playing games for myself to take a break from all of the Techtober stuff. And of course, I had to start testing more. The encoding performance on these on the new generation of cards is way beyond what I expected. So your typical content creator doing game streaming, game recording, whatever in OBS, there's going to be an impact on your game, which I have not, I don't have graphs to measure yet, but you also have historically fairly rigid limitations as to what you could record. Typically you're targeting 60 FPS. Typically uh, you can only do a certain tier of quality before it starts just running out of encoding headroom. 
And pretty much all of that gets thrown out the window with this one in that I was able to record 400, 4K 375 frames per second at a very high quality preset while playing split gate and halo last night on a 480 with, on a 480 wow 375 or what, no what, with what? obs obs in av1 h265 i got up to 240 fps at 4k and this is complete again completely real time and it got to the point where either due to obs throughput bottlenecks or just the encoder hardware itself how it's configured i discovered that the maximum frame rate you can record in real time is 375 frames at any oh. resolution oh <laughs> and you can do it at 4k that's wow. amazing <laughs> so that started blowing my mind because i was slowly increasing it up because i'm setting up basically my goal has been with this new generation to build the ultimate shadow play replacement because shadow play is great but it has minor quirks uh it records when it needs to to what's called vfr or variable frame rate which means that it just kind of records frames as it can instead of a constant 60 which can like it would be fine if we were all only playing videos on vrr monitors and whatever but for video editing you lose audio sync you, you get stutters you get lots of weirdness and so i want to you know use obs for that and it has a replay buffer which has a similar feature of okay i just got a good moment let me smash a button it'll dump that to a file i've been trying to build the ultimate replacement for that and so i was going just fine in 444 chroma subsampling which means that the colors are not compressed typically with videos uh you use what's called 420 chroma subsampling which compresses the colors without compressing the resolution because for most cases you don't need it like all tv shows all even blu-rays you buy if anyone buys digital <laughs> physical media anymore uh they're all in 420 because it's all anyone needs but when you're upscaling so like if i if you play in 1440p you want to upscale to 4k or you want to do dramatic push-ins or like for my work i do a bunch of screen capture for tutorials i need to zoom in a whole lot having that 444 ratio means that everything's preserved a lot better and so i'm always trying to push that even though the encoder isn't optimized for it and i was like okay i'm gonna do all my captures in this that way i can upscale to 4k for my videos and it looks great and that didn't struggle. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. All right, let me do 1440p, 120 hertz. Then we can get some slow-mo action. Didn't care, which is fine. And so I just kept pushing it until like 4 a.m. last night. And like I said, I got up to 4K, 375 FPS, doing full recordings. Now the replay buffer breaks. It just doesn't know what to do and doesn't dump the file. But, <laughs> but you can do normal recordings that way. And so I have a whole like eight-minute uh mcc session recording at 375 fps and it was perfect timing because there was a cheater in the match who was just like flying across the map <laughs> so for my video for it i'm gonna do a goofy like okay zoom and enhance now let's slow it down so we can see him in real time because <laughs> he just flies across the screen but then you can slow it and actually get like four times slow-mo or something and so are you gonna report that cheater you're gonna use that video to report that cheater yeah, because yeah, they should much. be reported yeah no i reported him in game but it's just those dual encoders are really incredible and i'm back to be i, I went from okay amd's gonna compete this year because they got zillinix on board but now i'm not sure if they will now granted this is a niche use case this is something i'm very excited for and not everyone needs but we're moving to a point where people are doing youtube twitch TikTok, all these streams at once and people want to record their webcam and their game separate so they can do better edits later and people want to do slow-mo so like this unlocks a lot of stuff again 1200 bucks for an 80 class card is kind of dumb but holy damn this hardware is amazing yeah it's definitely a lot more nuanced when you consider if you look outside just simply the world of just frame rates and gaming it gets right. way yeah. more nuanced yeah. like honestly you clearly because i i 
I don't really, I'm not a GPU guy. I just, somebody tells me what is better, but <laughs> I would think I would pass on the 4080, but now hearing all this awesome stuff on the content creation side, sort of the future looking features, I I would honestly say a 4080, it still kind of sucks. It feels, a, I still feel it should be lower in price, obviously, but I'd probably pay it over buying a, a 3080 or a 3090, definitely over a 3090, yeah. because a 3090 doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense, honestly, versus a 40, 4080 when you get all these other kind of um, future-looking technologies. Right. It depends you, on the pricing. It depends on all kinds of stuff. I think that depends a lot, because like the 3080 still is not a slouch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully, you could... It's really hard because their prices are still like ridiculously high, close to MSRP. You'd be a sucker to buy that too at MSRP. So it's hard right now. Yeah. You might just want to wait six months and see how it all shakes out. Yeah, I mean, a month or two ago, you could get, I mean, they were mostly used, but even some sales, you could get 3090s for like 800 bucks. Like that's, that's, that's great performance. And like, I would never buy a dedicated, like just gaming card for 1200 bucks. Like I never right. have even, you know, with I, I always avoided the 90 or the, super ti's and all that stuff for just gaming but and previously you could be like okay well these features trickle down to whatever tier and that's the exciting part is all the cards get to benefit from it like when turing came out the new encoders were in the 1650 super and higher and not the 1650 because weird segmentation right. but like you had all that trickle down but now i'm looking at the stack and i'm like so is the 3060 a like 600 card because that's not the card i tell yeah. people to get excited for or the 4060 not the 36 but you know what i mean like uh, I don't know. It makes it real hard. Yeah, yeah. it makes it real hard. When and we we're not going to know now on a 60 until what? At least probably February at this point, probably oh, later. Probably later than that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it is, it is funny. It's like, it's like a tale of two things. It's like you have gaming on one side, which is obviously like the majority of people buy these cards for gaming. Right. And then the content creation stuff, whether it's streaming, whether it's editing, uh, one of the, um, the DaVinci Resolve users uh, I follow on on YouTube, Casey Ferris, posted a his his hands-on kind of review thing. I mean, he's not a reviewer by any stretch, and obviously, and Nvidia sent it to him, but he just did kind of a quick little like, "Hey, look look how much faster the 4080 is uh, compared to I think he had a 3070 uh, previously," and so it was just you know it was like, "Dang, <laughs> that's pretty damn awesome." I'm I'm excited about it, especially for the price. But yeah, for pure gaming, I mean, I have a 3080 in my and I I just game at 4K. 60 and it still isn't you know like <laughs> sweating at all so yeah yeah i have really weird price relationships because i get like burned by specific cards like i bought a 1080 right before the 1080 ti came out and the vram difference on the ti was like enough to matter for my work and mm -hmm. then i bought a 3090 at like a little more than msrp because that was the good price at the time like i was getting a deal in the context of where the market was <laughs> yeah. and realistically like it wasn't much better for my work than the Titan RTX I had. And so it's one of those like 1200 bucks to get better performance than a card I paid $1,800 for, for work purposes, it's a no brainer. Like the, the, the amount of time I'm saved in some of the tracking modes in resolve and the export and the compression, like that immediately translates to being worth it, justifiable, write it off as business expense, all of that. But I cannot imagine like my, <laughs> I'm I'm the person who was so stoked to finally buy a 970 and like that was S tier gaming. I played 4K <laughs> on that for a while, and so going from that to like, yeah, it, it's 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 tough. I understand the frustrations. 
Thanks. Uh, well, we got a couple questions. Um, first, a uh, friend of the show, Vignesh, is asking, uh, Adam, uh, what are your hopes for the Radeon Dual AV1 uh, and H.265, H.264 encoders? I, I don't think they said they had dual encoders so, for AV1, did they? My chat's not updating for some reason. So they did. They Yeah, YouTube. Uh, sorry. Some, some people are reporting YouTube problems. Yeah, it's so. like not loading. Well, whatever. Uh, so AMD's announcement. I, I am really stoked for this next generation because AMD acquired Zillinix in like January, I think, and they make really good encoding hardware. And clearly this is they're, they're already implementing it, which I can't imagine how they did it that quickly. But that's awesome. There's there's a lot of unknowns here because their press announcement for Radeon 7000 was very much. We have that feature, too. We have that feature, too. We have that feature, too, without really explaining what any of it was like we don't really know what the new fsr is going to be necessarily we don't like they said dual media engine and then never once clarified what that meant i'm pretty sure what they're referring to is just that you can decode and encode video on it not literally double hardware that was Um, what i that's what i thought reading it too which is fine but it's clearly worded to make it sound competitive that being said i expect zilnix's encoder to be somewhat competitive um I don't know. I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten to use their hardware. I'm hoping to play with some of their dedicated hardware at some point just because they make such cool stuff. But like, we don't know yet. Um, presumably, it's going to be close because we're all looking at first generation hardware encoders. And just like with H.264, we have a starting point and then everyone kind of trickles out from there. Um, my interesting point, especially given that for live streaming, AV1 is still a little bit out. I am interested in did they fully switch over all of their encoders? to Zilnix hardware for H.264 and 5 as well, or is this a separate thing where we're still going to have the legacy, like the older encoders that AMD already had, because those were not very good for consumer uses, in which case that'll kind of stink in the short term. But if they completely replaced all their encoding pipeline with the new Zilnix stuff, that's a big deal. Like that's immediately, that's going to put them competitive with Intel and, and, and NVIDIA. So that's more exciting to me. Maybe because I've already played with two other companies' hardware that has AV1 encoders. But, like, mm-hmm. that's more exciting to me just because AMD hasn't had that. Like, AMD's encoders has historically always sucked. So if we can get even the stuff that people have immediate use for now improved, then that's a big deal. So there's yeah. a lot of unknowns. They just threw up a bunch of ideas at the screen and hoped that people cared, which was weird to me. But hopefully yeah. it means they're getting competitive about it. They said AV1 on the stage for a company that rarely mentions video encoding at all. So, like, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and they, they did talk about some, like, features of it. You know, if you have a Ryzen yeah. plus Radeon system, you know, like, it can share that, workload stuff. You know, I mean, who knows, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, that was... <laughs> that's not a good feature. Like, I'm, I, I guess I'm glad that they have it, but I... T- so, Intel has that feature. So, Intel has hyperencode with uh, 12th and 13th gen and ARC cards. And then that's that and AMD's system seems to be very similar. And then NVIDIA just has literally two chips on the same card. And with Intel's testing or with Intel's thing, you could do H.265 video where you basically alternate groups of frames on the iGPU on your 12th or 13th. It probably goes older than that. But, you know, on your presumably newer Intel CPU and the ARC card. But in every single thing I tested, that was slower than just running the ARC card. And so I'm imagining some pipeline where you're doing a lot of additional 3D stuff that maybe it frees up some of that. But like straight video encoding and handbrake, doing uh, AI upscaling with Topaz. And I think I like one of the video editors I tested it in or something. Every single result was significantly slower than just encoding on the card. Because realistically, you're passing all this up to a much slower piece of hardware, waiting on it, and then alternating. Like, I don't see a way in which it wouldn't be slower. Now, 
this kind of tech split up to multiple GPUs would be awesome. But just between the iGPU and the dedicated one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so that's another one that they threw up that theoretically might help. But realistically, I don't know that it's going to benefit anyone. Um, But they also mentioned some AI video compression assist that they didn't explain what it did or what purpose it served or where it came from. And so I hope they have some good ideas that are working, but they were so vague about everything. (laughs) Yeah, they were keeping their cards close to the vest. Yeah. I mean, they barely even showed any gaming performance, so they weren't showing much of anything. Yeah, I really yeah. feel like, you know, the, the the past couple major announcements, they've, they've been kind of sandbagging a little bit, you know, for one reason or another. But it, yeah, it does. It does feel weird. Um, but I, I but to me, it's funny because seeing the the 4080s weakness, although it's certainly a fantastic gaming card, I, I definitely feel like the 7900XTX is going to give it a pretty good nosebleed in gaming for, for straight. Oh, yeah. Like. yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. And, and, and rasterization specifically. Yeah, because, you know, ray tracing, we'll see. But yeah, right. And that's the thing. Like, I'm super stoked that AMD is competing and trying to compete on all these features. I just AMD's history with software is so poor. Yeah, that I don't yeah. like to see it. They introduced an AI noise removal thing for the mic and no one ever talked about it. And I finally looked into it. It drops you down to 16 kilohertz like an old school phone call. Oh, <laughs> weird. Well, there's less noise if there's <laughs> less noise if there's less information. And it's one of those things that they'll add a little like bullet point to their list of competitive features or whatever, but realistically no one should be using. And I'm just I want them to compete so badly because for pure gaming performance and even some weird niche video editing stuff, they can be real competitive. And like there was one they're, there was they're a gonna time, have twenty four gigs of memory too. Yes, exactly. Like I am stoked for that. And there was a time before the NVIDIA studio drivers came out where I was having all of these crashing in Premiere and Resolve due to plugins running out of VRAM and Windows not knowing how to swap it properly or whatever. And uh, the studio drivers are what was needed to fix it or whatever. But I was I was testing with Wendell from level one text trying to figure out, like, what is the solution in the meantime? And the only thing that we found was the AMD GPU that you could effectively assign the NVMe drive to be VRAM like dump and swap out between. And so I just gave myself like a terabyte of VRAM and that was amazing. Like my, my projects just soared and it's just like those kinds of ideas are really cool, but the software implementation of so many things is just really rough. They have improved a lot of some of the more game streaming, like focused apps, but like I just, I hope they put more time into software dev because they, they seem to be a solid hardware company. They just don't have the devs that are like the dev time, I guess. I don't want to insult specific people because it's not like they're bad. It's just they don't put the they don't put the resources into it that NVIDIA can or Intel does just very quietly. Right. Like well, Intel I, I spends mean, a ton of time like, on their encoders and doesn't talk about it. I mean, from what I've heard, it also sounds like a fraction of the people. So, you know, I mean, it, it's it, they can yeah. only do what they can. I mean, in, right. NVIDIA, like they definitely I mean, Gordon said this before. It's like they they love to come out and be like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to beat you every which way from Sunday. And it's like if the pricing if they could have got the pricing, I mean, if you know, if this was priced like a 3080, I mean, that'd be a completely different story. Right. I mean, the hardware is good. The software, I- you know. We'll see. But. I think we're going to see a drastic drop in performance next uh, pricing for these next year. Oh. Uh, I think uh, with just the way NVIDIA is stacking this on top of the existing 30 series cards, it's clear they're just trying to get rid of, you know, the mounds of 30 series cards that they have. Uh, and it's real weird. Usually as you go up the product stat, you get less performance per dollar. So mm. last generation, if you bought a 3090, it didn't make sense because you got 90% of the performance with the 3080 for half the price. Uh, with the 30, the 4090 and the 4080, 
With them pricing the 4080 so high, it actually offers worse performance per dollar than the 3090. So I think the 4080 mostly exists at this point, just one, to get more products out, but also to push people towards 4090s or RTX 30 series. And once we start to see that sell through, especially if AMD's Radeon cards, our DNA 3 cards actually are competitive, if the 7900 XTX does manage to give the 4080 a bloody nose, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw massive price drops, but not until Ampere starts to sell out would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, actually, we did get a super chat from a, a friend of the show. Warren gave a, gave us five Canadian dollars. I, I just I just changed it over to U.S. dollars real quick. Uh, and so what are the chances that NVIDIA drops the price of the 4080 when the 7900 XTX hits the market next month? It probably won't be when it hits the market, right? I mean, that's a little too soon. Uh, I don't think no. they will. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. personally, like it's kind of cynical and jaded, but I think NVIDIA kind of knows this they're largely competing with themselves. Like they have 80% of the market. A lot of people, when they go looking for a graphics card are just like, I'm going to go buy a GeForce card. So I think, you know, for all the economic big picture reasons, I think we're not going to see a price drop until the 30 series goes away, regardless of what AMD does, unless AMD managed to kick that much butt and take that many names. Right. Yeah, it's got to it's got to be that that uh, that cross section where 30 series starts to dry up and 40 series starts to be ready, readily available on shelves. I, we do have some people in the chat here and then on Discord this morning talking about how fast the 4080 sold out. Obviously, we know the 4090 sold out fast and I mean, hasn't I haven't really seen it refreshed too much. Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like people are getting in on scalping or, or mining or anything, but this just seems like early adopter, like people excited, right? Is that, is that, that happens every launch? Or? Every launch That's sells out real quick. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling they probably shipped a lot less of these than they did 4090s as well. They knew this was coming. I was talking to folks at NVIDIA before this sanity checking numbers and stuff. And they were like, we know the price is going to be challenging in your review. Like they, they knew. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, I, I do think I agree largely, Brad, that they are competing with themselves and they're I don't think they're gonna worry about what AMD is gonna do because they they just got it they're just stuck with those piles of older cards. And and again, I think I've been saying this it doesn't brand the branding is so valuable. The G Force and Green, Team Green is so valuable. It, People just, they just automatically buy GeForce. Like, that's just the way it is. They bought GeForce before, they're going to buy GeForce again. And it is really hard for any competitor to overcome that branding. So I, I just don't see them having to move anything. And the fact that they just, they, they just got it. I just, I'm saying that because there are so many people that are like, oh my God, this is, this is it. You know, like the tides will turn. I don't know. I've seen this, I've seen this movie so many times. And it's just never the ending is always the same. So I just I'm extremely doubtful that that that's going to really change. Even even with all of the complaining about the pricing, I still think these cards will will sell out and stay sold out for a long, long time because people want the value of, of the NVIDIA name. And that's that's reality. That's not me rooting for one or the other or saying one is better. I just simply know that's how consumers think, you know. Well, I, I do have a, a, a good question. We've, we we talked about this a little bit offline, but what do we think about the the fact that the 4080, at least the Founders Edition version, has the same 
size cooler as the 4090 <laughs> because i mean that that is one thing it's like hey listen if if you're looking if you're looking at, at certain use cases like small four factor or something like that you know and you're just like the the these cards seem really really damn thick <laughs> and so that might be another reason to be like hey you know what some of those 30 series cards are still still on the market and still thin <laughs> personally i hate it uh which is weird to say because it's actually like an super like i love the look of it with it being so big like it is silent and frigid like it's a great cooler uh but it's way over engineered uh the 4080 actually draws less power under peak load than the 3080 founders edition card did and that was a totally fine two slot card and uh that would make it fit into a lot more cases like you just said and if you didn't have this massive three slot all metal premium cooler on there you probably wouldn't need to charge twelve hundred dollars for it so i think that they probably slapped this huge one on there just to make it look better because they wanted to charge twelve hundred dollars for it i think this could and should have been a two slot card just like the 3080 founders edition well, is that isn't there some cost savings there too if they just simply ordered you know, they ordered extra coolers. It's like, we have an order for 4090 and 4080. We're just going to build one. This is why, why bother to do two, you know? It is overkill on a card that costs 71% more than its predecessor that worked fine. Uh, so I don't care if it works out for cost <laughs> savings for them. <laughs> oh, yeah, from a consumer point of view. I'm just kind of wondering if, if I really would love to know what the design a decision was behind just using the same cooler because it does seem it's a little shorter it's not quite the same like it's like 10 millimeters shorter or something like that it's oh, not the okay. exact same so oh. there are differences <laughs> it's just bizarre because it's not like the cost of material is going down so you're literally paying more for the metal that's mm -hmm. going into the the cooler so i i would think you'd want to use less copper you'd want to make it a lower cost design so yeah, you just, would unless you were trying to charge 71% more for it. And then you want to make it big and beautiful and you could say hey it runs at 57 degrees and you'll never hear it. So also except I, for the coil line. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm also thinking about this now could they you know if if what we were positing earlier like hey 30 series starts to sell out uh obviously our, our dna3 maybe comes out and 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 kicks some some real butt and they need to respond that is one way to be like hey you know what uh six months from now we we're refreshing the 4080 it's 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 cheaper and it's a smaller design that's a good way to to like refresh the 4080 so almost. it's like the consoles it's going to be the 4080 slim it, mm -hmm. yes yeah <laughs> and it's cheaper it's cheaper to make because we've been making them for a bit now so yeah i, I, th I think it's going to wind up being like the 2020 series was like the 20 series came out right after the crypto crash 1080 ti was a great value just like the 3080 etc was 2080 came out trash value like they jacked prices so high it was the 2080 cost the same as the 1080 ti with no increase in performance like just trash value which this 4080 for pure gaming purposes is trash value. Don't buy it. Uh, but then the like the 2060 Super, 2070 Super, all those came out when AMD started having competitive cards. And that really offered the value that should have been there from the beginning. And I have a feeling we'll see that by the middle of next year, starting with these cards. Yeah. I, do you think this parallels that in a lot, many ways? Although the price difference is, is significant between 3080 yeah. and 4080. So it's like even 2080 to... 
1080 Ti is it makes it kind of like oh actually no I would take that 2080 pricing but uh, <laughs> I tell you what I'm actually like I'm the ideal customer for this like I buy Ti class cards the last three or four generations I bought a 1080 Ti for 800 bucks then I bought a 2080 Ti for 1200 and a 3080 Ti for 1200 I'm never gonna spend 1200 dollars on a 4080 because I know there's a Ti coming just from if you look at the breakdown between the 4090 and the 4080. So this isn't even like the level, the $1,200 level that you would expect. And I, I, as someone who buys this classic card myself with my own money, every generation, I'm not going to buy this card at $1,200. See, that's what I hate the most about these launch cycles at this point is I feel like, and maybe it's just because I paid less attention then, but I felt like we got a more complete stack kind of up front, like a bigger picture of what we were going to be buying into. Even if they didn't come out yet, we didn't have benchmarks already yet. Like we had a general idea of what the cards are. And now like we're just kind of like it puts the customer in such an awkward position Mm -hmm. to have to, especially with them selling out, even if they're just shipping very few of them, like selling out, like it puts you in this awkward position of trying to decide at which point you get in because you never know what the next one is. And with there being supers and TIs and like cards that didn't even exist in the first place, like you never know where to buy. And suddenly being the smart consumer of waiting for X is no longer really an option because there's always going to be some trick release to like be a better value. Like if you bought a 2080, you were the guinea pig, like you, you got screwed. You should have gotten the super and like, that's a great value for the people who were getting the super yay competition, but that really sucked for everyone else who played ball in the meantime. Like that's not good competition. That's just someone had to pay for it first. I don't know that that really bugs me because as someone who would always have to like wait for things, like it's really hard to figure out where you jump in. And when people ask that now, I don't, it's the most reliable answer is to say buy last gen because it's, the only one that they're theoretically not going to add to, although there's always rumors of like the new 3060 they were going to put out or something and dumb stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know because I I do think you know the reason why there's just it's just been very hard to review C- GPUs for the last three years is because it's just been insane with demand and pricing. It has just not been predictable or normal the last few years, and I. I I do think maybe we we have to separate that from the actual product performance benefits. Oh, yeah. Positive. That's why I, I like honestly, I could definitely make an argument for buying forty series over thirty series. The same way, like again, going back, I would have said buy twenty series over ten series because forward-looking technologies last longer. And and indeed, we're here where the twenty series is well above the ten eighty Ti in performance. Go go look at Jared. Jared Walton's chart. I don't know if I'd say well above. Go, well, go look at Jared's yeah. chart over, but it's definitely well a, a quite a few clicks over the, the 1080 Ti, right? So it, you got a lot of the forward-looking technologies. Definitely 4080, $1,200 pricing sucks, but, but you are getting so much forward-looking technologies that to me, it doesn't make any sense to buy a 3090, 3090 Ti or 30 class unless it's on really good fire sale. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And honestly- The problem is right now, nothing makes sense to me yeah, aside from a 4090. Like yeah, if you want to go, you know, pedal to the metal, all out, just face melting performance, that 4090 is worth every penny for content creation or for gaming. Uh, Paying MSRP prices for the 30 series two years later, that doesn't make sense. Paying $1,200 for this card doesn't make sense. Like, 
it feels like Nvidia is kind of hoping you're a sucker in either way is the way I kind of look at it because it's like this whole thing is a very cynical product stack to me right now. Like they're like I would not I would avoid it if I could at any uh, cost. I don't know. I, I think it's all it's always cynical because these companies are they want to maximize you giving them as much as the money out of your wallet as possible. So I I, I don't know if there's anything more cynical about this over anything else. So but like one hundred dollars. It's, it's a twelve hundred dollar forty eighty. But <laughs> I mean, way more cynical. <laughs> but no, because again, it's. I do honestly believe it is. It is priced up because they can't price it lower with the existing inventory out there. But you know, one thing I took your poll, Adam. I said no, I wouldn't buy forty eighty because honestly, I'm like one of those people. Like, well, I've already gone twelve hundred dollars. That's sixteen hundred dollars for forty ninety. Seems like it makes a lot more sense, right? So. I would say like no because I'm gonna buy forty ninety over forty eighty, uh, and I don't. Yeah, sure. Is that? I don't know. It's just all kind of a terrible situation. Um, well, I, and, I just and also, think, I, I mean, we always, always need to remember. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about the high end. I mean, most of the people don't play yeah. up here anyway. So I mean, this is like we're, oh man, we're splitting hairs between forty eighty and forty ninety. Boohoo! You know, we're paying over a thousand dollars. People who can look to pay over a thousand dollars, but it's like, yeah, most people are like, hey, I've got three hundred, four hundred bucks, maybe five hundred bucks. You know, what's what's the best option here? Do I wait for you know whatever new forty sixty, forty fifty, or do I try to get a you know? 6600 yeah. XT or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but the problem is is what what are they going to sell for $300? Yeah. yeah. Like what well, what card which, is which that? Is, why is that, that, that going to be a 2660? <laughs> like to keep the 1600 like like oh, what yeah. are they offering yeah. at that price point <laughs> if we trickle down the scale like 3070 Ti slash 12 gig 4080 or 47 well, you know whatever that card is going to be was still 900 bucks like 3060 like where, where what are we getting at that price point? And I think the answer is for them is just for now is just going to be Ampere and figure it out later. And that's really weird. Like, yeah, well, if you I mean, want those new features, what do you got? You're not going to get new features, frankly, if you don't have the money, which is the unfortunate thing, which is kind of the bad problem of having this hangover of crypto and su supply chain issues. We are you're just going to these older cards are going to be hanging around for a long, long time. That goes for Radeon. That goes for. Nvidia, if you're down at so basically, if you're a normal gamer looking to spend under three hundred to two hundred dollars, you're buying last generation, right? It just there's and there's nothing wrong with that because honestly, you're you're not you're not really probably looking to get all these advanced features at 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 four K, you know, high high refresh rate anyway. I think it's a lot more reasonable. It does kind of suck because. Three generations ago, you always had these clean breaks. You know, it was predictable. They could they could get rid of the inventory. They could introduce new things. And now, because everything is completely still whack out of whack from crypto, from supply chain, from everything, that it's just going to be screwed up for years and years. So I, I think that's just going to be the answer. So if you're gonna if you're gonna build an entry level gaming box, just buy sixty six hundred XT, buy a thirty sixty, and Really? That's that's not bad, you know, if you want to buy new, that is. The frustrating thing that I see is the element of deep learning frame generation, because that is a feature that sells lower end cards, theoretically. Mm -hmm. Because when you're gaming on a 4090 and you're finally getting 120 FPS in Cyberpunk, 
you don't need to double that to 240. Like <laughs> that that isn't really helping you by by running that. That's a feature that like would help out the 60s and the 50s and whatever. And to it's just such a weird marketing it be to be like you already have twice as many frames as every other card on the market and now you can double it again. And I'm and it's frustrating. And then obviously DLSS2 is great. XCSS is here. FSR2 seems to be good. Like we already have some features, but like that specific thing is like the secret cheat code to getting more frames. And you can't get like that seems like the reason a bunch of people would want to upgrade is like, well, I can't render all the frames, but I can at least like present them. That sounds great. But you can only do that if you're already getting enough. frames. Well, let, let me yeah, I'm going to use the <laughs> analogy. I think people can understand. Well, when you're in first class and you can stretch out and lay back and then they bring over free champagne to you. <laughs> He's like, do you really need to give them like, this is on the house. champagne too? They got, how about something for us back here behind the curtain? It's like, yeah. no, sir, you didn't pay for it. Maybe one day you will get there, but no, you cheap MF, you're not getting it now. And that's people, you're paying $1,600 for a top tier graphics card. You should be pampered. I think honestly, I mean, if you're, that's just the way it is. I mean, that, that I, I wish it will eventually trickle down. You will eventually get the the unscrew whatever um, sparkling wine in in budget class, but it it's going to take well into twenty twenty three. It feels like I think, but I agree with you. That's just like why in the world are we always giving people with all the money all these advantages because they have all the money and they're willing to give the money for it. I, I think it's I think it's I, the the accepted reality. I've, I've I know we live in. I will say that as far as DLSS 3 goes, I think that NVIDIA is banking on that pretty heavy, like for the value prop of these cards, like it can double frame rates and it is a fantastic feature. I love it. It's great. But I don't think it's quite the silver bullet that NVIDIA think it is, thinks it is. We've had this chat on here before. Yes, it's amazing playing Cyberpunk at 120 frames per second. It's amazing playing uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator 120 frames per second in 4K. It looks smooth as heck. It's beautiful but it doesn't feel faster because the way they insert the AI frames, every other one. So you don't feel the difference. So it's not it, it quite just looks smoother. It yeah. looks better, which is great. And I love it. Actually, there are some visual oddities. that's still clearly an early release for it. I'm encouraged by how quickly new games are adding it. They're already up to 10 games. They're adding four more by the end of this month. I think they said, uh, but it's not quite the silver bullet that they want to hang their hat on yet, I think, but it's very encouraging early. And maybe really? that's the play is they're getting it in the higher gen that doesn't need it so that it's not such a crutch. That way they can fix it up because it's, yeah. you know, it needs fixing. So this is the beta test generation and then 5,000 or whatever is going to have the one that works really well for low end. But good point. Good point. Yay, beta testing. Although I, I wonder if they, they can address it because it, it, on the face of it, it doesn't make any sense that if you're inserting the artificial frames that the latency could ever increase improve because you're the you're basically the problem here how do you improve that with the artificial frames how do you improve latency well, with artificial frames? is there a, that's, is that's a way the, to do it that's the reason that micro uh nvidia reflex is required for dlss3 games uh if you turn on dlss3 it automatically turns on nvidia reflex and depending on the game especially the games that they showed at first like flight simulator and cyberpunk a more slower moving games especially if you're playing with a controller and it's fine in those games yeah i don't but think it'll ever have a place in like esports no, you can already feel it in F1 2022. 
I mean, uh, same for like ray tracing. Ray tracing is never going to be in esports. Like that, it just doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't know about I that. I can see reflections on on dust too. You know, see that little head and get yeah. get the extra wall. But no, I I, mean, I I just I just think the thing is ever because because I mean, ten years from now, oh uh, yeah, you know, the if everything's rendering with path tracing by default, then I but I is there a way like. I mean, is that cheating? But here's the thing is like they know what you should be doing. Could they actually insert their for frames the direction you should be going? You know, like how console games basically do headshots for you because you can't do it with the controller. Could you have yeah. the frame generation engine go like, well, this is the way you should be going. So we know. The games just start playing oh. for themselves. There we yep. go. There, there's <laughs> DLSS 4.0. The games play themselves. <laughs> Compete for loot boxes as you know, virtual characters with no legs fight each other to the death. And <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I got a couple more super chats. Uh, who's it? Uh, Leo uh, gave us oh, here five dollars. Just came in right here to my pocket. Uh, I feel like the purpose of the forty eighty printer. I know it, it just YouTube spits it out. It's like a little oh, YouTube printer. I need one of those. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like the purpose of the forty eighty is for buyers to feel comfortable purchasing the forty ninety due to the close pricing, especially considering AIB models. Yeah, because I, 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 yeah, I guess I haven't looked at it, but AIB models were about a hundred to two hundred more than. Some others. of them were up there the same price as the thirty ninety. Uh, I forty ninety don't recommend the forty eighty whatsoever at MSRP. I personally would not recommend spending a hundred to two hundred dollars more for an AIB model if you care about value whatsoever. Yeah, isn't this all kind of artificial? I'm, I'm just realizing because what I, I had not realized is. The magnitude that the AIBs ship, like AIB cards, are it feels like ninety five percent of all GeForce new GeForce cards. The whole ref, the whole Founders Edition cards, they were very very small. So the fact that the forty eighties are a couple hundred bucks more than the FE cards, I'm guessing the forty ninety F forty ninety uh, adding cards are even more expensive too. So everything oh, yeah. is actually and bigger. They're actually all about two to three hundred dollars more. So you're really looking at fourteen hundred dollars for forty eight forty eighty and about seventeen for forty ninety, realistically, because that's everybody's buying AIB cards. You're not buying founders edition cards, right? Yeah. 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 And they were so much bigger, at least with the forty nineties and like the plans for everything. So like I'm I, I want my PCIe slots back. <laughs> uh, well, we got a, uh, a $10 super chat from uh, Deshaun. Thank you so much. Said, uh, sorry, but $1,200 plus for a 4080 when I have a 3090 Ti doesn't make sense. Uh, sure. Uh, the Puget Sound results, I think they meant uh, uh, Puget Systems, uh, show no big difference in productivity stuff. Well, it depends on what you use. Uh, re- re- should, should they return their 3090 Ti for the 4090 or get a 4080? Um yeah, I guess that depends on what you do. <laughs> oh. It does depend on what you do. I will say at this point, we have articles from Adam up on PC World. He has them on his channel, Epos Fox, looking at content creation. So if you use that, if you do any of that whatsoever, highly recommend checking those out. We also have gaming reviews. So it depends on what you use it for. I would recommend digging into that. I would say just for gaming, that's not worth doing whatsoever. <laughs> well, is it even does it even make sense to have a 3090 Ti for gaming too? So it sounds like they're talking about yeah. productivity stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say yes. That's just productivity off the stuff. Go ahead. It it highly depends on what you're using it for, and if you go look at Adam's videos or articles, like you can break it down by task and realize yeah. what you specifically do is if is it worth upgrading. 
If you paid close to sixteen hundred bucks for a thirty ninety Ti and you can actually get a forty ninety, then yeah, but. Yeah, I wouldn't have bought a 3090 Ti for gaming either. But, <laughs> but I mean, uh, I, I just kind of feel like if you're in the content creation productivity side of it, you're just going to always be playing there, and forward-looking forward technologies are going to get you more than an older older product, right? Yeah. True. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Bat Tech gave us uh, five Canadian dollars. I, it, it prints out U.S. because I'm here in the U.S. Uh, if you have $1,000 for AMD, then you must have $1,200. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, $1,200 for NVIDIA. Both AMD and NVIDIA are expensive and raising the prices over time. AM, AMD's not really the savior. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to see, you know, hashtag wait for reviews because, you know, if, if the AMD card is 1000 but it plays closer to the $1,600 of the 4090 you know i mean that, that's that could be interesting yeah. but yeah i mean if you already right. have a thousand to, to put on a video card you know <laughs> you could yeah and you know amd bit. would argue that we're giving you significantly more performance for the same price as 6900 or 6950 came out at so yeah yeah i mean uh, that's then, the cat and mouse of competition right <laughs> like they keep pushing each other up to see what they can get away with and if the 7900 xtx or whatever competes with the 4090 then i mean if if your budget is limited, they they are the better option. They might still keep getting expensive, but that's capitalism. Yeah. Uh, got a, a couple more super chats. A uh, friend of the show, VC Jester, uh, printed me off five dollars. Thank you so much. Said uh, too busy, too busy wiring to be a poopy head to Gordon. So just take my money. Uh, sounds like they're they're busy. But th- thank you for listening in. Uh, and friend of the show, Deshaun, also uh, five dollars. It just keeps getting recycled. Uh, b- bought it. Bought it two months ago, but can return. Paid eleven hundred, but can still return. Yes, productivity. Oh, this is the person who has the the thirty ninety Ti. Mm. Bought it two months ago for eleven hundred. That's not a bad deal, but they can still return, and they're looking straight productivity. So yeah, I would go read Adam's story on PCWorld.com. After looking at your results, though, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I don't want a thirty series at this point because yeah. there's a lot of cool features that it, that forty eighties pretty smoking at for productivity it looks like to me if you have a vram heavy workflow i mean the 3090 ti still has the 24 and the 4080 doesn't so like that's a considering factor but for raw like compute power or whatever then yeah uh speaking of smoking (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we got we have some uh even more updates on the uh, 12 volt high power situation uh yeah, Gordon's going to get to in a second. Uh, there, there's been some new developments, but uh, I'll also tease that, that we actually went up to uh, uh, the power supply labs up at Intel uh, earlier this week. Gordon and I did. Um, not, not a ton on this situation, uh, but you know, uh, right. other power supply related stuff that, uh, that that you should look forward to. It, it, it's fun. They we we got to 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 get a power supply to smoke and boy did it it smoked and it, <laughs> it, it it's it smelled real bad so yeah, yeah look, look actually, for yeah. more power supply related stuff uh in in the future on the channel but gordon uh this is the third week running that you're providing 12 volt high power updates what 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 do we have uh this week to talk about but before gordon kicks it off just to kind of bridge this something that i forgot to mention is that the 4080 also uses that 12 volt high power connection continue Yes. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and so the the breaking news, actually, fortunately, is the breaking breaking news is literally this morning. Um, Steve over Gamers Nexus, uh, go over there, like and subscribe, uh, smash that bell button. He, he actually posted the results of a 
few weeks of their testing, it's probably, it's everything you expect of a Gamers Nexus kind of um, report. It's clearly a very deep dive investigation into what they think is causing the 12 volt high power connectors to melt. Uh, I will summarize that basically uh, the, the high level is there's foreign object debris in some of these cables that is contributing to it. In fact, I think they had, so what they, they had a, a cable sent out to a failure analysis lab and they did x-ray uh, analysis as well as electron microscope scanning of the surfaces, came back with their report. They also do think uh, largely, and this is the thing that people are are going to be really unhappy with, is there's probably a lot of this that could be user error, which is not fully plugged in cables. Using that, you know, they uh, the other thing is they do think some of that is from the design itself. So yeah, you say user error, I'd say design error. But <laughs> yeah, I mean it's both because. Um, they also went ahead and sort of looked at some of the popular theories out there. Uh, you know, there have been some that if they think if the bad solders, soldering was an issue and they actually had a cable that was analyzed and disagreed with that using an x-ray of a cable that had actually pretty clearly somebody was looking at their iPhone while they were soldering this cable in the, in the, in the factory but there was still enough solder and it was still enough high quality solder that it would not have made any difference in failure. Um, they also looked at the theory that, you know, some people thought, well, some of the, some of the plugs have two splits on the connectors and some have one. Is it possible that the, the ones that have two splits are getting spread out and uh, they basically tried to melt a bunch of cables by really, really, you know, forking those those bending those those uh, dual connectors out they were unable to reproduce it in that manner um they also looked at let's see solder joints they also looked at oh the foreign objects that they were they were clearly uh one issue and again i just watched this right before we we got in the show so it's it's a little bit further back in my memory now but uh some of the issues is when you insert the plug into the connector some of the debris that's actually on the on the connector itself may be creating these uh, like parallel resistance i believe so basically you have these little bits of metal that get shaved off and those will be create extra resistance and possibly that could be uh one of the failure points but largely which, which real quick uh steve mentions at the end of his video like it, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because yeah. the more you pull it out to look to see if there's a problem the more you're you're actually right. kind of every time you down. pull it in and out you're basically breaking off these little bits of metal that kind of like then can possibly create the issue you know uh, uh, the resistance that is then melting some of these plugs but largely it does look like a lot of this is just simply these plugs are not fully plugged in this kind of this sort of reinforces what we've seen tech lab did some testing where they were able to get melt some cables and get a lot of resistance um through basically not fully inserting it and also john grew over corsair uh, their director of engineering was also able to say yeah you can really if you're not fully plugging this thing in you can create a lot of problems with it he also did the side to side bending and was able to unable to to cause uh, failures, but definitely not fully seeding the cable. You know, they were easily able to cause enough resistance. That's, 
to melt that's it. Not, that's not quite true. Uh, when they were moving it side to side, they were able to cause failures with that. How was it? So uh, the two issues are, one, not having it fully seated, even by two to four millimeters is right. what Steve was finding, which is actually quite a bit, but the way these uh, connectors are designed, it's really hard to know when it's all the way inserted. Right. So both not being all the way inserted, but also if you pull it taut, like these cards are so big, if it the cord comes out and hits your case window, say, if it, Steve found if you pull it the connector away so that the cord is tilted this way, so it's pulled slightly, like it's jerking on the A side of NVIDIA right. on the logo, then that can mess up the resistance and make these burn. So if it's not fully planted and it's the cord itself is tilted, especially in that specific way, that could be an issue. Yeah, Which, he, he was all of that seems bad, like bad design. Well, like we were saying user error, but that shouldn't happen. Well, yeah, and, and he he was also he he was just kind of theorizing the the idea of hey you know what maybe you think you fully seed it, but then it you know a, as you're building or rerouting the cables it, it mm-hmm. wasn't so you know you're you're jamming something back and he also did he it was interesting he did fall short of saying hey you have nothing to worry about if you just completely seed it you know make sure it's completely seated and walk away you're never going to have anything to worry about he he fell short of that but he i mean he he got pretty close to be like hey the amount of people who've who've experienced this is like you know point you know less than 0.01 is what yeah 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 the the risk there i think they're saying the risk analysis is you're it's zero 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 point zero five to zero point one is sort of what they're thinking it's a very very low risk but Which, hey, still w- walking risk. around on the streets of oakland i got, I got a way bigger risk <laughs> of, uh, of, of getting burnt <laughs> so you know yeah like, uh, and the other thing i think that they also sort of because there also was a recent theory that there were two cable adapters and one was good and one was bad and he basically determines no that's not true that it it doesn't really matter that even the one that's good, he was able to melt. If you go look, again, go to Gamers Nexus, look at that video. You know they were able to melt cable pretty thoroughly, and that was you know su- supposedly one of the better cables. So and, and, and not just adapters, like like straight straight cables from any uh, cable, yeah, any yeah. cable. Yeah, and and that's the one thing that I think people are not because a lot of a lot of the the focus has been on it's the adapter cable. There have been reported incidents of you know native cables melting as well now and i i don't think people understand this but the connectors which in fact i I bought one right here it's in front of me is they're being made by everybody now so they you know the specs are public you can make it most power supply vendors most companies are just going to go to their their connector supplier they're going to order it and you can basically get you know probably a couple dozen different vendors now making these things you don't there's no guarantee that one is going to be better or or not the thing i liked with the 30 series at least the 3080 they angled it like because the card was so much smaller they angled it so it was easier to fit in a case i have a giant case i'm in a fractal defined 7 xl and with my 4090 sticking out i still haven't put the glass panel on after those stories started coming out because as much as i don't want to be the person that like sits on their case to close the panel even in this thing i'm looking at it sticking out past the wall and i'm like I'm going to have to put pressure on that to shut my glass panel. I don't want to do that. And that's just like, I feel like you could have put it in any other place or done anything with it to like slightly mitigate this. And that's what's frustrating to me is it seems like such an avoidable problem. Even if one specific adapter isn't the problem, even if one specific cable, it's just like the idea itself just feels kind of 
could have been inherent, avoided. Like, yeah. I, I, and it's the design, it, right? I, I mean, I think, you know, like you said, Brad, it's like, it, 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 yes, it's it's user error, but the, the design is right. allowing for the user error. So then what, what do we think the update could be? Could it be, you know, maybe a stronger clip that you hear more audibly? uh you know to to click in because i mean i think that's one thing is like s some of these clips like like the i just replaced my power supply to a, a silverstone atx 30 i have a 30 3090 ti you know and i clipped it in and it, it's it's a very minimal clip uh or click so you know i mean that that's one thing to be like hey make sure the user hears a click i mean w what else can be done apart from uh, like completely going away from this uh connector I'm not sure what the answer is because everyone wants to jump on NVIDIA for this, but from what Steve just showed, I kind of think it's more inherent to the PCIe standard itself, the new 12-volt high power. So I think there has to be some tweaks there. Maybe the answer is, you know, just put it at an angle like that Founders Edition Ampere stuff was. That makes or a like lot of sense. A right angle plug that just sits flush yeah. with the card so no one has to like squish it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a real shame. I talked about this last week when we were on the show. EVGA's, you know, card that wasn't that Gamers Nexus and Jay's Two Cents were able to get a hold of. They put the power adapter on the side, the mm. rear of the card, mm. and that would have not had any issues like this. Yeah, or yeah, the, it, uh, Project Stealth that that, that would yeah, help too. <laughs> that could help too. But it, it does. It feels like it's like it's like everything added up to just it. Everything added up to this being the crap storm that it is because the connector in itself has been proven to be completely safe. Um, if built properly and if plugged in correctly, but you put that in a big ass case that it's you put that in a in a in a case with a big ass graphics card and you push it into the door and it just everything added up to like unforeseen circumstances it feels like so how do you yep. how do you correct for that in the design because they probably didn't when they were designing the connector they probably was like oh how is a is a video card going to be as big as a car kind of thing they probably didn't think about that and then the yep. cases it's hard to how do you account for that as an engineer i don't even know how they're going to apparently they are working on a on a some kind of design change to uh, mitigate it but i'm i'm not really sure how you do that well, uh, Steve even mentioned like a, maybe you have some sort of an extra sense, uh, you know, cable yeah. in there that says, "Oh, is it fully seated? Yes or no?" Uh, yeah, I mean, there's. Who, who I mean, knows? that's I mean, also that, that, that's for that's for engineers to to figure out a a way to stupid proof it. <laughs> I think that's also where some of the blame being pressed on Nvidia kind of has some rationale because they're the ones who built the giant card with this connector and didn't consider that they may not have made it faulty, but like. They're the one who made it take up like that much space in the users. Like theoretically, you know, it, it's yeah. not solely their fault, but like there, there's some conversation to be had there of like, well, why, why didn't you think about that when you put the plug right there, I guess. And that's another reason why the 4080 being a big yes. slot card is a shame. Yes. Because <laughs> the 4090 yeah. people probably have giant cases and whatever and are expecting it, but the 4080 people not necessarily. Mm -hmm. But you know, the funny thing is this, this probably wouldn't have happened if it were the older connector because they were bigger. Uh, it's less likely that you would have not firmly plugged it in. So, well, maybe, I, I, also, but... I also feel I mean, we we t we talked about this for a while. Friend of the show, VST Jester, used to uh, to come in on a lot. Like, there's a lot of people who had uh, you know big 3090 Ti's or 3090s that had, that required four eight pins, and they would use the daisy chain. 
you know, mm-hmm. which, hey, you know, that, that could have run into the side, like, you know, people saying like it gets hot to the touch. I mean, so there's there's still, you know, could be some user error even the in the old design, too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are as much as people say that older the older connectors never melted. There are many, many documented cases of melted power connectors on the older design, too. So it did happen. So it was a lot harder. It would, this new one is a lot more finicky to see. Yeah, and I've I, melted Molex connectors, so <laughs> I wonder though, like sort of the 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 problem is so it seems like this so the report that we're getting from Gamers X is, is definitely the most thorough. Thorough that I've seen. You're doing X ray, you know, imaging of it and and it seems to make a lot of sense, but is there anybody who's gonna not want to blame NVIDIA though? Because it, it feels like everybody I mean, that's sort of the problem. Part of the problem we're at is we immediately saw finger pointing weeks ago, and it feels like it's been hard to sort of change any of the, the, the talking points around this because everybody basically is blaming NVIDIA for this because it's you never should have used this connector and blah, blah, blah. And... Yep. It's amazing to me that Gamers Nexus managed to track down what looks to be the answer to this faster than nvidia did <laughs> well i think yeah oh well, and they're publishing it but i mean the thing is about gamers nexus is under i think they can go with it because nvidia can't this has to be like they get one shot to correct the record on this and they have to make sure they're on legal ground so mm-hmm. if people thought they were just going to rush something out and say whatever that would have been way worse than because if they were, if they ended up being wrong, that that would be far significantly worse than taking your time. So, and I if know half like, the answer is user error, like no one's gonna take that. Yeah, I mean, how, <laughs> how does? Yeah, how do you even like? How do you do a Steve Jobs? You're holding it wrong, right? Because right. it's just not. People are not going to accept that one thing. So, like Igor's uh, report on Igor's lab last yesterday, where he was talking about the possible, you know, the two connectors thing. Also, he got a, a report from NVIDIA where they had done um, testing of the connector. So, you know, Igor felt like the, so based on the assumption that there's like one good adapter and there's one bad adapter, um, NVIDIA basically said, here's our research into the adapter that you think is not good. And we did multiple, multiple insertions measuring the resistance and they took it out to they took like like 10 samples to like i think they took 20 samples and they they inserted each one up to like i think up to 450 times so and only like one i think one of them at the very end was like sort of out of spec in in resistance so they basically it was sort of implies like no actually the inserting it is is not a problem on the resistance. That was not according to our own testing. So, but who would is anybody going to believe that at this point? Yeah, yeah, and and like you said, uh, Steve coming out and saying, "Hey, it's mostly u- user error," is way different than Nvidia coming out and saying, "Yeah, it's mostly user error." <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but I, they're they're yeah. gonna have they're gonna have to have some make good of some sort to at least be like, Hey, you know what? It's mostly user error, but we're doing things to make sure that to mitigate user error or anything like that. I mean, somebody pointed out in, in the chat, I mean, PC building, there's a lot of user error. You, you didn't seat the yeah. RAM. You put the RAM in the wrong slot. You didn't, right. you know, plug in XYZ cable. I mean, you know, uh, but yeah, the company should make it as easy as hopefully possible. 
But, you know, I still think a lot of this is also we have many, many different connector makers now, and some of them are just probably going to be lousy. Like we, I finally just only last week saw a couple 4090s. One had the native NVIDIA adapter, one had a native, or one had the NVIDIA adapter, one had the um, native adapter, and they were they were pretty damn sloppy, I feel like. In fact, even the one that I bought from, I think a DIY mod, it's it just there's just so much play in it. It it just kind of makes you wonder if like if the if the connector is a little out of spec on the card and then the 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 plug that you buy for your adapter is a little bit out, then it feels like you're gonna just run into the same problem again. Until until everybody until they knock heads, it's like, look, you cannot get these damn things out of spec. And I don't know if that's, I mean, maybe that's what they're going to engineer. And I think that they were going to make it so if it's not fully seated, it's not going to, it's not going to turn on. Right. But I do wonder if they can go to everybody and say, look, you can't screw these things up. And people are probably not doing the greatest job on them. The good news is like practical takeaway is if you have it fully seated, you can't pull it out. I was just playing with it. Uh, yeah. like you can't pull it out. You'll know it's fully seated if you try to yank it out a little bit and it doesn't move. That's good. So I always, like we were discussing last episode, I think this is less of a practical concern than all the reports made out to be. Although these very reports very much should have happened and this should be covered because things were melted. Uh, the practical upshot is if you get a 4080 or a 4090, just make real sure that it's seated good and that your cord's not turning directions like that that's that, that's where you can get into an issue try to make it you know as straightforward as possible yeah make sure it's seated in there the other thing i saw too is actually because one of the other early theories was the side to side bending mm-hmm. i don't think steve talked about the cables kind of falling apart but i we had one power supply and if you take the 12 volt high power connector and you really cranked it over that contact would start to the connector contact would start to back out of the plug. So, well, in the contact between the cable and the connector itself. So yeah. yeah, like it's backing out of the plug, but it's also the the cable is backing out of the connector. Oh, so it is like the old Melex days, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I'm not yeah, yeah. but it it does look like a lot of it. I mean, I think the the basic latest is the risks are very low as long as you make sure you insert it. But I guess that thing is like, don't just start like pulling this thing out all day. Just put it in once, see if it backs up. Maybe when you're getting ready to put the whole thing together, you know, make sure it's fully seated by trying to back it out. If it's not, then make sure it's it's locked in, but don't um, don't keep pulling it out every week to see if it's, it's starting to melt or not. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. well, that's uh, contributing to it. Yeah. Uh, Mike Quinton, friend of the show, Mike Quinton gave us a $20 super chat. Thank you so much. Said, uh, when I pay $1,600 for a PC part, I should have no failures, no alibis, no blaming the user. There should be no discussion about anything failing. It should just work. I completely agree, but unfortunately, it's kind of the, the world. Well, so how like, I felt about my 3090. <laughs> so, one thing is, if, if you look at, um, so Steve got a cable that failed and from you can user. actually see from the user he sent it into him but you can clearly see on the pictures that he has that the connector where it basically there was actually a wear mark on the connector that it was sitting out two millimeters or more so the cable had fully backed out enough to where it probably started to create the resistance to melt stuff so i i don't know i i, I don't really know what the answer is for that because right 
you know. I would also say to Mike's Quentin's original point, I agree fully. If I buy something sixteen hundred bucks, it should be great. Uh, but you know, bad things do happen. You know, manufacturing is not a perfect science. There's always going to be a failure percentage, and if it truly is, you know, zero point zero five to zero point one of these, and it's mostly user error, not user error, design error. Uh, to me that's more than acceptable failure rate for something like this like speaking as someone who used to work in a factory and had to deal with manufacturing RMAs and failure percentages and stuff like that like that's really good but the problem is because it is $1600 these are so high profile that everybody hears about them now it's just like the same with that EVGA when they had the bad pads on the uh, 3080s, 2080s, 2080s. I forget. I think it was 2080s. 30, no, I think it was 30. Oh, but yeah, then they 30s. made the ICX as a result. Like, yeah, there were some bad models there, but it turned out to be like 0.5% of cards. So it was a Tempest and teapot practically, but because they were such high-end cards, just like everyone who ran into the issue yelled about it on the internet, which is totally fair and reasonable. But I think it's good to take a practical look at you know, things do fail, no matter what it is. Sometimes cars break, you know, your your pipe will burst in your house, like even expensive stuff. <laughs> well, and, and, and even Steve said, you know, like it's it's really hard to do this kind of good investigation while everybody is, you know, jumping on the, the outrage pony and riding into the sunset. <laughs> so, you know, instead buy an outrage pony t-shirt uh, <laughs> and just, you know, wait, wait for good testing. And then, you know, understand the, the, uh, the problems that, that you might run into. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, well, hopefully we don't have a, yet another week of, uh, 12 volt high power updates, but we, if, I mean, if there is something that comes out, we will definitely, uh, touch on it. Uh, in the meantime, let, let's, uh, let's click over to Q and a, if you have uh, any questions, uh, at me in the chat right now, uh, if you're watching or listening to this later uh go over to our discord there's a link in the description we have a full nerd question section which is the best place to uh to get your questions in and and hopefully i can get to them on the the next show uh Uh, but but before we get started i have a quick question uh did you need to leave adam uh i got like 15 20 minutes maybe okay okay yeah yeah feel free to pop out at any any point if you need to same for you brad uh, do you have a couple of super chats? Um, let's see. Uh, Deshaun uh, gave us another five dollars. Uh, look, look at this. Uh, a fresh five dollar bill right here. Um, thank you so much. Uh, he, he is the, the the person who had the 3090 Ti. Um, they're asking if they keep their 3090 Ti FTW3 Ultra. Uh, do you think an EVGA 850 G plus power supply uh, would be OK with it? I'm not familiar specifically with that model, but let me look it up. Uh, yes, uh, ideally you'd be running something better. Uh, I wouldn't overclock it, but, uh, that'd be my answer to that. It depends what CPU you're running with it, all that usual jazz, but I'm running a 3080 Ti that is the Porter Win 3 Ultra. So it actually uses more power than the 3090 does. 3090 Ti, again, the same, but I'm running my 3080 Ti in a 650 watt, uh, platinum EVGA power supply and never had an issue, so. Okay. Yeah. The, and the, this, this power supply specifically is a uh, 80 plus gold, you know, 10 year warranty, uh, yeah. from, from EVGA. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about it if you run into issues. Yeah. yeah. If you, I wouldn't be worried about it. If you run into issues with it, you can worry about that later. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, cool. And then uh, VC Jester gave us a, a two dollars. I only have one dollar here. The the printer jammed. Uh, said laces out. No daisy chains on your PCI <laughs> power cables. Yes, you you are correct. Uh, and then uh, oh, um, Deshaun gave us another five dollars. Jeez, I should just write Deshaun on this this five dollar bill. Uh, and it said it's it's a a new build. Oh, it, they have a new build in mind. Should they go thirteen hundred K or seventy? 7950x or 7900x for gaming and productivity they do 3d design 3d rendering and movie editing they have no desktop now wait so they they bought a 3090 ti i guess without the rest of it they're in the process of building so oh so but the the, the question is ryzen 7000 or uh 13700 k or oh. 7950x or 7900x for gaming and productivity you know, I I would say, you know, again, they're both pretty amazing. I would give the edge to 7950X if you're going to do, say, a lot of 3D rendering. They they're, they have a slight advantage for heavy thread, heavy loads, you know, 3D modeling. Most of that time, they're up above uh, 13900K. 13, not, maybe not enough to matter. The advantage for Intel is, you know, Intel, they, they are better supported, frankly, by a lot of content creation applications. So like video editing and the like, you might get more mileage out of an Intel part. And then also QuickSync, I'm sure Adam will will chime in here. But I think having the, if you do the K, not the KF, please do not buy the KF. <laughs> it's nice to have the, the QuickSync support in the, in, the, in the K for the applications that support it. So I would generally say 13900K, but if you're going to be just sort of like basically thread ripper light on those kind of tasks then uh 7950x probably a little better there yeah especially for 3d stuff the quick sync isn't really going to matter yeah i wish i could tell you affirmatively i still don't have a motherboard that will work with 13th gen so oh. uh and, and and obviously <laughs> am5 you know long longer yeah Longevity, yeah, that's a plus. If, if that that's matters a plus. to you if you think you're realistically going to be upgrading the the cpu in a couple of years so but it but sounds you know, like most, I mean it's it's somebody who's high end that's willing to yeah. maybe sell a thirty ninety Ti to to get a forty ninety. So <laughs> yeah, I mean I kind of think most production people I, I've noticed from watching production people they don't ever unless you know you're only paying for it they don't seem to really care that much about money oftentimes because they can write it off. So yep. if you need sixty four cores of third ripper, it's like it's not even a problem because you're you know it's worth it. So. Also, I'll say back to their back to their previous thing. Now, now that I see this, I, I w- like I'm sure that EVGA power supply is good, but I feel like at this point, especially if you're going high end, you might as well get ATX three power supply, right? I mean, uh, like, like it, I don't know it, if that matters so much ATX three, but I would go for a thousand watt power supply for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> it's not a bad idea either. If you're especially if you're pairing it with you know, high core count, high wattage, and then so, like everything sort of adds up because you're going to be running oh 64 gigs of RAM easy. You're going to be running, and then most if you're really going to be running heavy, like if you're doing this encode or whatever CPU render where you you come back in six hours and it's been running that whole time, I, I'm not so sure I'd want to be very borderline with the power supply. Uh, and, uh, Leo gave us, uh, two, two more dollar super chat. Thank you so much. Said, uh, is Brad low keys, uh, or is Brad a low key bad C text brother? 
Uh, if you don't do that, <laughs> YouTuber, they, they look they look very similar. Uh, yes, yeah, so brother maybe, from maybe another mother. Maybe they are. Maybe they are. <laughs> we, should, we, we should have them on the show. Uh, we should have them <laughs> on the show. Uh, okay, well that that's it for the the super chats. Uh, I didn't have any other pressing questions come in, so I'm gonna head over to uh, the Discord. Oh, we got we got one from uh, I don't know this person, uh, Ian Cut Cut Reese. Ian Cutreese uh, asks, uh, can we move power supplies to internal USB-C? Uh, is it only 3.3 volt, 5 volt lines holding us back or high current as well? The power from the wall, GAN components, uh, and wouldn't it simpl- simplify the power on the board as well? Should we push for higher current versions of USB-C for high powered connections? Gordon, this is a good for, one for Internal? You. So yes. are you saying you want a, in, basically a Instead external of, power brick plug directly into your motherboard for power no I, no I, I think they're saying in in uh can we just move power supplies to internal USB-C so I think he, he means instead of PCI power cables switch to USB he, he was saying that earlier in the chat too like like imagine a, a 4090 with with three USB-C connectors on it rather than a 12 volt high power no I don't think I don't think that really helps you because you're just you're still at the you're still at the mercy of somebody screwing up your USB-C. And <laughs> if you want to know how you can screw up a cable, the people who have built USB-C cables definitely know how to screw things up. So I, I don't know if that would I was help. Gonna, I was going to make that joke earlier in the show, but then I thought about all the situations where ever so slightly bending a USB-C cable, it's over. Like, you, you don't have the flexibility that power supply cables have. <laughs> like, that's poor. Yeah, there's definitely not enough. There's just... The, there's a, they're, they're very low-gauge cables. Uh, and then also... I think the other really big negative is when you have USB-C, so I guess we're talking USB-C, USB-PD, now you have a lot of ICs that you're throwing into there to negotiate stuff. I don't think the cost savings are there over what we already have, but it would be interesting to plumb some things inside of a machine off USB-C, but I just don't think if you have to have a IC on both sides of it, integrated circuit to negotiate what how to bring it up, then I, I'm not sure you get anything. I guess maybe for a fan, like that, that well, that, but again, you're sort of adding extra cost to it. So what do you, I'm, I'm not sure it's it's worth it. In, I don't, I don't it. like the idea. I like the idea of keeping them totally different because one, it would, it would take a radically different internally designed USB cable to make that happen. And then that opens up what we've seen with so many existing USB-C cables, people just go, oh, USB-C, and grab whatever and throw it into their power supply or whatnot. Yeah. And that's the last thing I'd want. Like, <laughs> stick with this very different power supply thing that has all these different lines and different pins because it takes way more robust stuff than a USB-C cable can do. It's bad enough you can't plug in power supply cables from different manufacturers half the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, although I think that's good, though. I mean, I understand why that's good, and I understand why that's bad. So I, no. I, I can't. Well, my, you, Adam. So my 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 reason for what we're talking about is if you have a fully modular power supply, why can't I plug in my EVGA cable to my Corsair? I I love that idea, but the problem is, it's gonna it's not gonna be. How come I can't plug in my Corsair fully modular cable to my EVGA power supply? It's going to be how come I can't plug in the dollar fifty cable I bought off Wish into my <laughs> EVGA power supply and have it work? And if you had a standard, and then you then let people source cables the absolute lowest bottom 
dollar place, it it's going to end in melting. It always does. And I I actually can I can get behind making sure they're completely not compatible just because well, people will screw things up. Well, Ian is proposing that that they're fixed cables, so not not modular. It, it fixed USB-C cables right off the the power supply. Hmm. Overclock your phone by plugging it into a computer power <laughs> supply with this one each. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I get that with the normal power supply ones. I just like it, it's a thing that doesn't affect actual consumers that much. But as a reviewer, where like, you know, if one spills out of the bag and they're, they're never labeled like this is just this EVGA model, it's just this is PCIe. And it's like, well, I basically have to throw this cable away because I'll never know what it goes to now. <laughs> it's frustrating. <laughs> Uh, all right, a couple more questions here uh, from a friend of the show, Pyrocumulus. Uh, it used to be that the USB connectivity was one of the primary drivers for moving to a new motherboard platform. In the current crop of motherboards, USB 4 is fairly uncommon on both Z790 and X670. Conversely, a PCIe Gen 5, for which there are no devices yet, is very common. Why, why, why do we have that, that weird flip-flop? <laughs> uh, well, I... Man, this, I get this weird deja vu feeling with this question, but oh, I, I did. We brought this up when he, the, oh. when they when they asked it uh, on our. Well, you do have actually Thunderbolt four on a lot of high end Intel motherboards, so I don't think that's necessarily fair. You don't see USB four for AMD very often, unfortunately. So, U, USB has kind of stagnated. Like we have all these fancy ports on all these motherboards and they were like big marketing points for a while. We've got the 3.2 by two, whatever. We've got 20 gig ports. We've got 15 gig ports. There's not devices on the market that use them to this day. Every single device that would use, I mean, obviously there's Thunderbolt stuff, but like every device that would actually benefit from the 10, 15, 20 gigabits per second USB ports don't use them either because they want to save costs on the chipsets or they don't have access to the chipsets yet, or they want the biggest possible market base of people who only have five gigabit per second ports. And so you're looking at high throughput devices and it's either Thunderbolt or five gigabit per second. And that's been incredibly frustrating on the capture side because we could do so much with capture cards with 10, 20 gigabits per second and none of them use them. They're all on chipsets from 2013 and I think that's part of the reason is they can slap all these ports on a motherboard, but no one has a use for them outside of just plugging in more devices. Like it's not, I can do a new thing with it. Thunderbolt's kind of a thing, but Thunderbolt has minimal desktop adoption in the first place. Like it's still, it's all about your dongles for your MacBooks, not desktop expansion. And so I think that's a big part is USB has just kind of stagnated as a platform. Like, yeah. And then also I, the, the argument ever since Thunderbolt ever showed up too was like, What's the point? You've got PCIe that just you know is yeah, so it's, it's magnitudes faster than USB. So why why even waste the time on this? So a lot of people were not going to worry about Thunderbolt. Maybe these days for content creation, you go like I've got a Thunderbolt three drive, and that kind of is useful. But beyond that, it just doesn't seem like people really need external high speed I/O. So not for consumers anyway. And I think a lot of the PCIe increases are just kind of a consequence of the of the increased chipsets or the added lanes or whatever. And it's just like you get this one slot, you have nothing to do with it, but you get all, you also get the 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 extra slots that are either more than you had on consumer platforms three years ago, or you get faster speeds on them. And that's the benefit. It's not you know most people have no use for PCIe Gen five right now, but it's all those extra slots or extra speeds on those slots that just like in twenty eighteen was not a thing and so that's really cool yeah it definitely feels like we've 
hardware has far outstripped software. Even with Gen 5 drives that are just about here, is it going to really make, like, is, <laughs> right. is it really going to feel any faster? I bet it's going to end up being like, oh, it's I mean, actually if you throw not around any faster. Big video files for, for Adam and I, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but even, like, you would think you would see a, a practical advantage elsewhere, but it oftentimes is like most people would be hard-pressed to be able to tell the difference between a Gen 4 and a Gen 3 drive. You know, oh, for or sure. even a SATA drive, which is kind of sad, and it just makes you think that this is—it's an OS level uh, issue. They're just not—they're just not built to take advantage of it. Well, and also the density. Like, they're—I I made the mistake of buying a whole bunch of cheap Intel and VME for a while, and they were all TLC or QLC, and I got to the point where I was swapping them out for SATA drives that were single stacked or whatever because the speed decreases once you actually use up the space and so it's like yeah you've yep. got four terabytes at eight gigabytes per second but the second you go over like 1.89 terabytes of space it's like 200 megabytes per second i mean you yep. know that's being dramatic but you know it significantly decreases at which point you lose all of that and so i think for raids and for more densely you know more complicated setups it works but for the average user yeah it, it, you boot up windows the same time on a gen Two or Gen Four drive most of the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Last question, then we'll, we'll get out of here. Uh, friend of the show, VC Jester, has a hot take. How do you feel about people using uh, the smartphone speaker in public to talk on the phone? <laughs> so you know, just people sitting there, just talking, talking on the speaker. Ooh. I judge you. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Why do they do that? I I don't know. I, yeah, it's a, it's a cultural thing. Like uh, I've grown up in a couple different cultures, and some different cultures do it more than others. Uh, so I mean, I try not to get too mad about it because for them it's just normal. For a lot yeah. of folks, uh, but yeah, I hate it. <laughs> it's nothing even inherently new to smartphones either. Like I remember people walking around with flip phones doing that when speaker phones started getting introduced. Like it was, mm. I I think I like the the level of annoyance of someone walking around like in that kind of place speaking loudly into the phone themselves versus also having the speaker on like it's kind of the same for me like i don't care whether i can hear the conversation or not if you're talking super loud it's gonna mildly annoy me or whatever so like it's, it's whatever well, like, it, it, is it better or worse than somebody having their airpods in and just yelling as well <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what <laughs> so at least yeah. you can hear the other side if they're on the speaker you get the, you get the conversation you get yeah. the whole conversation mm -hmm. i guess i i don't understand why having it set to the speakerphone mode and then holding it like this and then because this is what they're always doing they're yeah. always doing it like this but like why do you think that actually sounds better actually like you, you can know hear what them? a lot of times i have seen people do they're doing video chat so in that point, yeah, you yeah, wouldn't video. do that. You would have, so I think maybe it's like, oh, yeah, I'm but video I do chatting. see a lot of people that are just like, and then, and yeah, yeah, they're, they're not like, video chats. Maybe, maybe they're just used to video chatting yeah. this way, so they don't even think when it's audio only to do it this way. I, I just think of the Sprint phones that had the the walkie-talkie filter oh, built yeah, in, and God, you could just be like, yes, <laughs> yeah, the one all the construction workers had. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I would love to get a Bluetooth speaker that looks like a boombox that I can wander around with playing as a boombox, but also takes calls and stuff so that <laughs> I could start. <laughs> That's my dream buy. I might look to Hello? see if that exists. Hello, yeah, I might give myself <laughs> that for Christmas too. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that exists. I am <laughs> interested in an extended car warranty. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> I you know, those oh, next telephones were pretty awesome though. Mm -hmm. you know, they, I was jealous. Were, I was jealous. Those, those old Nextels, those were those mm -hmm. were pretty cool because they had the walkie-talkie feature was pretty cool. But mm 
I, I still don't. Under, I'm just trying to understand why. Because maybe their earpiece is broken. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand it because you know the 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 problem is the person on the other end is like, what the hell? Am I on the speakerphone? You know, the other person <laughs> must be annoyed as hell too because now they're probably on speakerphone as well. So it's two people talking to each other on speakerphone. <laughs> I just got speakerphone like that. It's one thing that that just has not ever improved. Like every single conference call you're in where it's on speakerphone, it's always sounds like it always sounds like butt. You ever notice that? It's just like it's always terrible, echoey. You can't hear anybody, and then it's always like it's it's you talk over each other. It's just terrible. Speakerphones. Maybe they should just get rid of the speakerphone feature. Is what would be better for society. You know what? I I wouldn't put that past Apple. Yep. <laughs> we 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 got rid of all the ports. Actually, I think there was an Android phone that got rid of all the ports. Uh, did they really? Op- I think it was Oppo, maybe. I can't remember. It only makes sound by vibrating your head, so you have to hold it to your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, bone conduction. The Morse cold phone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, would you just walk over and start talking like you were part of the conversation then? Yeah. Like if they were on their phone and you're like, yeah, okay, no, no, we need four, four, yeah. The, and then they'll look at you like you're crazy or... Mm-hmm. I'd probably knife you then, I guess, bro. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for for all all the all the questions. We'll, we'll we'll get to the to the rest of them later, but we need to get out of here. So, Gordon, why don't you take us out? Okay, check back next week for your fix of PC talk on the full nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you're on one of those services, please leave a review. Every time you do, someone publicly talks on their smartphone in no, speaker mode you don't want to encourage that <laughs> same questions and comments of the full internet pcworld.com thanks for coming i'm gordon Young with brad charkas don't buy it <laughs> adam taylor thanks for having me i thought i was gonna say buy it for content creation no. though <laughs> I'm buy- i would buy it for content creation sorry mm. and adam patrick murray's gonna tell us whether he's gonna buy it or not buy it or for content creation, what one hundred percent? Yeah, but uh, the company's paying for it, so you know, uh, <laughs> the best of both worlds. So, anyway, uh, thank you, Adam, for for coming on. Always, always glad to have you. Uh, you know, I'm glad glad you're writing for us. Uh, st- still, we should talk about doing some video stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I need to build you a new gaming PC too. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that offline. Anyway, thanks everybody. We will talk to you later. Bye.